This is Patriots Playbook. The legend. Now, here's your host of Patriots Playbook, John Rook. Boy, you weren't kidding when you said that was fast. (laughs) Right into it today. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) Well, glad to be with you. We don't need to listen to those stuff anyway now, do we? Happy Thanksgiving, everybody, at least on this side of the pond. And if you're on the other side of the pond, uh, happy whatever. Football, still here. Um, Whatever you're celebrating. Uh, we're glad you're, that you're with us. Uh, welcome into the playbook. It is, of course, uh, Thanksgiving Eve here in the States. Um, and uh, it's, we're back on a game week, which, you know, certainly there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, there's a lot to celebrate. There's a lot to be thankful for. I, and I want to get into some of that with you guys today because, you know, frankly, we, we don't get much of a chance to – we really don't get much of a chance just to shoot the bleep, do we? You know, we're always focused on one thing or another. Uh, we're always focused on the next game. We're always focused on, what, the next quarterback? <laughs> I mean, we're focused on something. I, I'm not sure what it is, but we're we're focused on something here. And, and I, I wanted to take a little bit of time today. And, and we are going to talk football, okay? We are going to talk football. Uh, we've got uh, Matt Sytek, who covers the Giants for Giants.com, uh, joining us in 10 minutes. Uh, Nicole Yang from the Boston Globe, who covers the Patriots as one of their beat writers. She will join us at the bottom of the hour. And, of course, Russell Baxter uh, will join us in hour number two for week 12 around the NFL. And, you know, I'm sure some uh, Thanksgiving week news. And, and by the way, you know, uh, let, let's give let, let's give Evan Lazar at least a little bit of a pat on the back for doing four hours of sports talk radio today here on Patriots.com radio. Huh? That is, of course, the sound of one hand clapping. Right? <laughs> I mean, okay, so he does four hours. He does his own Catch-22 pod from 10 to noon, right? And then he does uh, 12 to 2 with PU. And then I walk in the door. He could not get out of here fast enough. <laughs> he didn't even look at me. He didn't even look at me. He didn't want to say, oh, you know, hey, John, I, I really, I've just done four hours of talk radio. Um you know, I, I really I need to get going. You know, uh, I've, I've promised my girlfriend, fiance, significant other, you know, that I'd help her cook. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Happy Thanksgiving, Ev. <laughs> All right. So, you know what that means? That's more time for you guys. That's 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 more time for you guys. 855-PATS-500 is the toll free telephone number. 855 P A T S. 500. And if you don't have time for the phone call, I hope you have time to send me a note. Web radio at patriots.com on email or hit me up on Twitter, uh, X, whatever the hell we're calling it today. Uh, I'll probably call them both. Um, X.com, if that's what we're going with now, because I, I don't know. Nobody's told me what the etiquette is. Nobody's told me what the protocol is. I mean, I realize I'm behind the glory of America. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, Elon's thing, okay? I mean, we can call it that. If you want to get me on Elon's thing, it's at JR Broadcaster. Pretty simple. Pretty simple. And always, uh, as always, thank you for the follows. Uh, I, I do like to interact, you know, on um, on tw- the, 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 the social app formerly known as Twitter. Can we call it that? I think I'm going to call it that, just like Prince, you know, when he was that stupid symbol thing, you know, and then we, we called him the artist formerly known as Prince. It's the social app formerly known as Twitter. Seriously. But I do like to converse quite a bit on that one. So, you know, whether it's, you know, through regular tweets or DMs, 
you know, slide me a DM, you know, something like that. Whatever they, whatever the, however the saying goes. I feel like those dorks on the uh, on the commercial or the uh, you know for the ins- what is it the insurance, you know, we, we are because you have to teach uh, young homeowners how to be uh, like their parents or something. You you know that one? Which what's what? what, what and I cut streaming off. I, I'm a streamer. I cut the cable cord in 2015. I get it on ca- I get it on stream too. I get these ads all the time. I've just forgotten what brand of insurance it is. Here's the hardo thing of the day for you. I'm bougie. I, I pay for the ad free service. Come on. Really? You pay how much more a month do you pay for the ad free? Probably five bucks each for each app. Okay. So here's the shocker for you. Do you know what I pay for a year of streaming? Because I cut my cord too a long time ago. What would you think that I would pay for a year of streaming? Without the internet, probably fifty dollars. Fifty to seventy. A year? Yeah, or a my, month. I'm without cable. I'm paying less than two hundred dollars for all my streaming services plus the hundred dollar internet. Okay. So wait a second. So what are you doing for your streaming service? You're paying two hundred dollars a year for your streaming. No, if you're adding, uh, I pay for good internet, okay. and then all the individual. So what is services. your? All right, so let me break this down now. So what are you? What are you paying for good internet? Do you mind my asking? It's about a hundred bucks a month. a month. Okay, that's what I pay. I have gig speed at home. I wanted that because I have to work so much at home, right? Uh, and so I pay. I think my my price is ninety three a month. All right, but I know people who are you know they they've cut the cord and they're doing like YouTube TV or they're doing Hulu or they're doing Fubo and I had Fubo once upon a time I dumped my Direct TV I had Direct TV for like fifteen years and I finally dumped it because I was getting you know PO'd at, at the channels that they were arbitrarily showing and then cutting off and then showing and then cutting because of all the contract things that were not being renewed or then renewed too late and I couldn't wait for it because I didn't want to miss a game or a show or whatever so I said screw it I'm going to go to uh, uh, streaming right okay so I found an IPTV service and if you don't know what I'm talking about google it you'll find out I pay <clears throat> eight bucks a month yeah right so when you add that to my um, you know uh, internet cost for everything I do, I'm paying roughly a hundred dollars a month for everything, and that includes not only the Wi-Fi in my home, but also the television that I watch. Yeah, you got me beat on that. And I have, get this now, I have access to up to seventy thousand channels. I could never, I can't even watch seven, much less seventy thousand. But it's just, it's a service that I stumbled upon. If you're curious to know what it is, I don't get any kickback from these guys. Slip me a DM, slide me a DM in my mentions, you know, <laughs> slide me a mention, and I'll and I'll share it with you. But I'm just like, you know, um, I, I, you know, I don't see any reason to go back. Now I do, from time to time, have an issue with the circle of death. Okay, you know, when it buffers. Uh, and, and a lot of that is because, from what I've been told, it really doesn't have it, – it's two reasons. Number one, my local provider for Wi-Fi, sometimes, you know, they say they don't, but ha, 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 you wrong. They downcycle. They absolutely downcycle, okay? And so sometimes you don't get what you're paying for because I've called my, you know, provider – multiple times and had multiple visits and the guys are like well let's change out your box i said that's not the issue okay the issue is is that during the time i mean you can almost count it it, it, you can almost set your clock by it nine o'clock eastern time boom there's a down cycle because they anticipate now that less people are going to be online but they don't realize that more and more people are streaming now so it infuriates the hell out of me 
Ask Miss Robin. She'll tell you. I'm the one that's going, God, bleep, blah, 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 blah. You know, letting it fly. And she's like, shh, the neighbors will hear you. I'm like, I don't care. I want the neighbors to hear this. Brand X, I won't say their name, blows, you know, at the top of my lungs, you know. Uh, because I know that they're downcycling because it's just a, it's a, it's an industry practice. And don't tell me it's not. It is. I know your dirty little secrets. I worked in cable TV for a long time. I know your secrets. You can't, you, you can't, you can't pull that one over. You just can't. You can't. So at any rate, uh, be that as it may, I, I'm glad to have, you know, the streaming. I do put up with a circle of death from time to time. Uh, I try to, you know, uh, uh, and, and with the IPTV services that aren't quite regulated here, it's a little different. If you pay for the extra service, like, you know, if you subscribe to Fubo, which I actually think was a pretty good service. I never had any issues with Fubo, but when they dumped the Longhorn Network, uh, I, I was off. Because I wanted to watch, you know, the two or three games that I can watch a year. And the coaches shows. I like that. I like to keep up with the alma mater. Ask strippers. He'll tell you. Um, and then um, I thought about YouTube TV. But th- at first, they didn't offer Nesson. And I wasn't going to give up the New England Sports Network because they carry the Red Sox exclusively, right? Now both services, ironically, count on. They, they both carry Nesson. And I, I and I don't know yet about Fubo, but Fubo I think actually puts put the Longhorn Network back on there, which is going to end up merging in another year or so with the SEC network because Texas is going to the SEC. So I don't know how they're going to specifically do it, but I don't really care as long as I get the Texas content that you know I allegedly am paying for. It doesn't matter, and, and that and that's really what it is. Fubo I think has been pretty good, and again I don't get paid by these guys. Uh, I haven't tried YouTube TV, although I've threatened to. Uh, I haven't tried Hulu, although I've threatened to. Um, so I'm just going to stick with what I got, and we'll see how it goes. Because I look, did I say I have seventy thousand channels? You can watch Steve Urkel in every language. <laughs> do you know what I do watch in almost every language? All in the Family. Do you remember? Uh, you were, you're too young for that. But I would hear Archie yell in Spanish. That'd yeah, be funny. Yeah, okay. Well, you're, we're talking about Archie and Edith Bunker, All in the Family, the hit 70s sitcom that, you know, today would not be legal in this country because of their their political incorrectness. Uh, but it is still the most hilarious sitcom all time in television history. And if you're of an age where you don't know what I'm talking about, do yourself a favor. Go YouTube it. Go Google it. Go find it somewhere on your service uh, that you can get and tell me that you don't laugh until you cry. It's, it's, the most amaz- it's one of the most amazing television shows, sitcoms, that has ever been, you know, ever graced the planet Earth. And, um, uh, and, and so they actually have a channel on my IPTV service. They actually have a channel that does nothing but show classic television 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They have a stream that has that, right? And so what do Miss Robin and I do? We watch all of the family. How many of you, show of hands here, how many of you have actually tried to go find 704 Hauser Street in Queens? I've done that. Doesn't look anything like, you know, the house that Archie and Edith were in. But on the opening scene, the opening um, uh, credits there, uh, the house that they show, 704, does exist. It's there. I've seen that house, been to it. And uh, it's, you know, it's amazing. Taking pictures out in front of it, and I'm sure the owners of that house are absolutely driven nuts by it. The house that is supposed to be 704 Hauser Street. Is that a it, That's not really the address. 
That wasn't like the show was it a disappointment. Um, well, I, I expected to see different because you know in the in the sitcom Archie and Edith had a front porch. This house has no front porch; has a flagpole out front, and that's the house that they show in the opening scene of credits on, on the uh, uh, on the film that they shoot. Right, that house has a specific address. You can Google it and find it out. And everybody calls it the Archie Bunker House because that's in the opening credits. I've gone by that house. I've seen it, taken my picture out in front of it. Probably irritated the bleep out of the you know the owners of that house. But I'm sure they're used to it by now after all these years because this was a hit sitcom 50 years ago. And, and speaking of anniversaries, before we get to to, to Matt Sitek, um I'd be remiss if I didn't mention today is the 60th anniversary of the assassination of JFK. And for those that are you know, listening to this show abroad, uh, you undoubtedly are at least aware of a, of a smidge of uh, United States American history. Uh, when he was assassinated, allegedly, by one person and three bullets. I'm a huge, huge conspiracy theorist. You cannot tell me, based on everything that I have seen, heard, read, watched, cannot tell me that one person and one person alone did that to the president of the United States. You can't tell me that. Uh, you know, I, I retweeted out earlier today. You can check my feed, but I, I retweeted earlier today. And I don't know if this was a, a, a fake or what, but there was a tweet sent out, and it, it, the account said, at CIA, Central Intelligence Agency. And so, because it was a screenshot, so I don't know if it's the real thing or not, but this was from back in 2020, so this would have been three years ago. On this anniversary date, three years ago, which would have been the 57th anniversary. And the tweet said, and I'm going to paraphrase, you'd have to go back and look at it on my feed here, but the tweet said basically said, just because we killed him doesn't mean we missed him. I know, that brought a chuckle in sort of a morbid sense for me, but at the same time, I actually believe the CIA had a lot to do with that. I think they had a lot to do with it because I think it was almost a, they threw a bone to the Soviet Union and or, you know, communist Cuba at the time. That's, that's kind of what I think. So at any rate, you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, but I don't really want to deal with morbidity today either. I've got to talk football about the Patriots and Giants, and that's morbid enough. Don't you think? 855-PATS-500. There is a football game to be played. Matthew Sytek, who covers the Giants for Giants.com, kind enough to join us here in the playbook. Uh, and, Matthew, I know you've got, uh, what, you're trying to work around Giants practice today, so I appreciate the time. No problem. Thanks for having me on, guys. So let, let's kind of just start with where you guys are at this stage of the game. You won a football game last week, played well enough, certainly. Uh, and it's it, it just kind of ironic that two teams – Two franchises that once upon a time in the not too far past were playing each other for Super Bowls, and now, as it turns out, the winner of this game probably ends up screwing itself more than the loser of this game because they'll be that much further away from the number one draft pick this next April. Has, has that hit anybody's consciousness in New York? Uh, I mean, you know, when the schedule first came out, definitely was excited about this matchup. Uh, did not think heading into Week 12 that either one of these teams would be where we are today right uh but you know we are where we are and we're just the giants are coming out and trying to put their best football together i mean last week's game against washington was probably the best overall performance the team has put together from start to finish in 2023 and giants are looking to ride that momentum into this week's matchup and put together a two-game winning streak i mean the future is the future talk about draft position all you want but right now 
Giants are focused on winning a football game and uh, going to come out on Sunday, best lineup out there, and put their best football out there and try to pick up the W. I, you know, you guys talked about this. I think of the website. And I think it's actually uh, 100% accurate. But right now, the, one of the best stories going in the NFL happens to be Tommy DeVito. You know, here's a guy that, you know, my gosh, he's, you know, the, the story is well documented. But for those in our audience that don't know, he lived with his parents uh, and, and still does live with his parents just 15 minutes from the team's facility. Uh, you know, so you're talking about really local boy making good. This is the epitome of that. Uh, nobody knows who this guy is. And yet he led your team to a win last week. So I'm just kind of curious what your thoughts are of Tommy DeVito. Yeah, well, as a local New Jersey boy myself, I have to say I'm very proud to see what Tommy has done. Um, his performance last week against the Commanders was, honestly, it was historical in some sense. I mean, he threw for 200, I believe it's 246 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. He finished with a 137.7 passer rating, which mm-hmm. – was the highest of any Giants quarterback in about a year, first of all. More impressively, the highest of any rookie free agent quarterback since 1967. I mean, what he went out there and did against the Commanders last week, it truly was unprecedented. And, you know, there have been a lot of jokes from the national media at his expense about the whole living at home thing and, you know, chicken cutlets, all of that. But (laughs) honestly, he's, he's leaned into his New Jersey pride and someone from New Jersey myself I love to see it I love chicken cutlets too so you know I mean it's, who does it yeah right it's it's one of those comfort foods that's there all the time the number I think that impressed me the most out of all of this Matthew is the fact that uh, you know and you guys had this uh, you know which I would expect you know Giants.com to have but he's the first giant quarterback since 1950 with five touchdown passes or more in his first two NFL starts that's significant that's very significant since, you know, uh, believe it or not, uh, a couple of these uh, quarterbacks that you've had in the past were really, really pretty good. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, you spoke mentioned Giants history. He's only the fourth rookie quarterback to ever do that yeah. in the NFL's history. So what he's been doing, I mean, obviously undrafted rookie free agent, you know, a lot of people's expectations for him around the league around the country fans were probably not that high but i think he's exceeded those expectations so far and personally i'm very excited to see what he can do against a talented patriots defense well i you know uh, and, and i'm sure that it'll be quite the test but i'm just the thing that the other thing that amazed me most is when you try to look between the numbers what devito has done for you guys uh i noticed Last week against Washington, he was 7-for-8 on third down and threw his two touchdown passes, threw two of his touchdown passes on third down. And the Patriots have struggled, uh, struggled, uh, I'll use the Joe Namath uh, you know, enunciation on that one, uh, struggled uh, on third down. And so that, to me, ought to catch anybody's attention. Yeah, I mean, his, his complete stats on third down, I was going to mention, 7-for-8, 113 yards, two touchdowns. Of course, he had no turnovers on the day, so no interceptions. And all of that resulted in a perfect 158.3 passer rating. Which is nuts. I mean, That's nuts. What, do you, what, do you th- what does he do particularly well to the, to the naked eye that, that you can tell? And what have you guys talked about you know, where his improvement has come from? What does he do that has made him you know, that kind of special this, that, to this point? I mean, honestly, Coach Dable has <clears throat> spoken about this. 
Tommy just he has confidence. He has confidence in himself. He doesn't care that he was not drafted. He doesn't care that he started the season on the practice squad. He truly believes that he belongs in the NFL, and you can see it every time he goes out there on the field. I mean, his teammates have spoken about how since he's been named the quarterback, started quarterback, he commanded the huddle. He's the leader, one of the leaders of the offense now. All the players around him listen to him, respect him. Now, as great as he was last week, of course, it was not a perfect outing by any means. He got sacked nine times, and as Coach Dable said after the win, it wasn't all on the offensive line. Right. So he does have some things he needs to clean up, but you have an undrafted rookie, 25-year-old quarterback that is going out there believing in himself and his abilities, and, you know, you, you love to see it. The results are showing. Sure. Well, let's jump over to Coach Dable since you mentioned it because clearly uh, uh, our fans know that there's a huge history between Brian Dable and Bill Belichick in the past. And, you know, it has been largely, I think, a, a disappointing year, not only for the Patriots but for the Giants as well. How much is Brian Dable, how much heat has he absorbed? Is it rightful or is it wrong? Like some think it's wrong to accuse Bill Belichick of where the Patriots are currently standing. What are, you, what are your thoughts there? I mean, look. Coach Dable, he accepts responsibility for for the team's performance. I mean, he's the first one to say it whenever he's asked that question. As a third-party observer, I mean, of course, the Giants have been dealt with a ton of injuries, and uh, you never want to hang that as an excuse for a record. But our the offense itself has been decimated by injuries since week one. I mean, mm-hmm. Andrew Thomas. The all-pro left tackle got hurt on the first drive of week one, went on to miss the next eight games, is, is back now, but by the time he came back, I mean, the Giants' record was, was, it, was what it was at that point, and, you know, already down to their third-string quarterback. So I personally don't think that Coach Dable deserves possibly as much heat as some people are trying to put on him. Uh, he's kept the locker room together. The team is still going out there and fighting from the first minute to the final minute of every single game. One thing about this Giants team under Brian Dable is they are never going to quit. And that's, honestly, that's all you can ask for from a team in a season like this. Sure. Sounds almost cliche-ish, but frankly, you know, these guys, you know, hey, they're professionals. You would expect pros to try to act like pros, right? 100%. And Coach Dable and the whole coaching staff is seemingly gotten that out of the entire roster. Right. Uh, before I lose sight of the offense, uh, how's Daniel Jones and what the prognosis for you know his return next year? Uh, well, he actually, we announced a couple hours ago that he underwent successful surgery, the hospital for successful surgery on his torn ACL, and he's just on, he's on the road to recovery now. Okay, and then, so it's full expectation that he will be able to return when, next summer, or will we be into the fall? Do you know yet? Uh, that I, I cannot say. I don't know. I'm not sure. I think right now all Daniel is concerned about is rehabbing, getting back to where you know he can play football, play the quarterback position without any hesitations, without any limitations. Right now, he's just focused on his recovery. Okay. Let's then flip it for a second then to the defensive side. What's been the biggest surprise here at this stage of the game, to, to your point of view, uh, in, in moving toward the positive and moving toward the future for this Giants team? Has anybody broken out that uh, maybe wasn't expected to? There have been two players in particular that 
I believe truly have broken out. I wouldn't necessarily say that they were the most, you know, under the radar players, mm -hmm. but breakout players nonetheless. First, of course, Kayvon Thibodeau. I mm -hmm. mean, going into week 12, he's got 10 and a half sacks. He's the first player in a Wink Martindale-led defense to reach double-digit sacks, and it's only 11 games in, so he can add to that total. He has been a game wrecker, especially over the last, I would say, two two months, the last seven or eight games. He's really just been a force in the pass rush. And the second player is linebacker Bobby Okereke, who was one of the team's big offseason additions, signed him in free agency. He has been a true anchor in the middle of the defense. I mean, he has, I believe it's six games with double-digit tackles this season. He's tied for fifth in the league in tackles. He's got an interception. He's been one of the best coverage linebackers this season. Four forced fumbles, career highs and tackles for loss. Again, they signed him to a, a decent contract in the offseason, so I'm not going to go ahead and say that he's, you know, under the radar. But in terms of, you know, the national spotlight, I do think he's one of the more underrated players in the NFL, and he's really been showing it this year. Yeah. I, let me go back to Thibodeau for a second, because I think that's the name that's kind of catching the attention of at least uh, m most fans overall. What are his particular traits that, that you really find might set him apart from others? I mean, is it quickness? Is it strength? Is it a combination of the two? Because when you're a speed rusher, when you're an end rusher, and, and your job is to get after the quarterback, you've got to have some unusual athleticism to be able to do your job at the highest level possible. Yeah, so I would say the first thing that really stands out is his get-off speed. I mean, we saw it this past week against the Commanders. He was matched up against uh, their left tackle, Charles Leno, who's, you know, very solid veteran tackle, been around the league for a decade now, and Thibodeau just dominated him. They had 33 one-on-one matchups, and Kayvon had two sacks and eight pressures, according to next-gen stats. More impressively, though, is he had his quickest get-off speed in any game this season, which next-gen stats had 0.68 seconds, and five of those eight pressures I just mentioned came in under two and a half seconds. So he wow. showed that he's able to get to the quarterback and get to the quarterback very, very quickly. Yeah, it's getting and after. The second thing I would just point out is his motor. I mean, he is giving it his all from the first snap of the game until the last snap of the game, which, of course, is something you would expect from every player. But in a season, you know, how the Giants season is gone, you may not see that from, you know, every single player from teams across the league. But Every time Kayvon steps out there, if it's a pass rush, he's going out there with the mindset of, I'm getting after the quarterback. I'm going to get to him as quick as possible. And you see it out there. Sure. Sure, and and caught my attention as well. Not only the the margin of victory, you know, over you know uh, the Commanders, but six takeaways, and that's something that the Patriots defense clearly, while they may be better physically, they haven't they haven't forced turnovers even like last year's team did. And I think that's been a huge reason to why New England is only two and eight because the defense just hasn't turned the other team over. Your defense did just that in one going away last week. Yeah, I mean the. the Six takeaways total, five were from the defense, one did come on special teams, mm -hmm. but that was a season high for takeaways, both by the defense and by the team overall. Mm -hmm. uh, three of those were interceptions, great plays. I mean, the one that really caught everyone's attention was Isaiah Simmons, the interception return for a touchdown at the very end of the game. But if you were to go back and look at the film, Darnay Holmes, his interception, he 
lost. He literally jumped over the receiver, pulled down the interception. It was a very, very impressive play. And then there were three forced fumbles. Bobby Okereke, again, he punched the ball out twice in the game. Giants recovered one. Uh, but you could just tell in you know last week's game in particular that the defense made it a, made a real concerted effort to punch at the ball, to mm-hmm. get the ball out of the ball carrier's hands. And they were successful. They forced four fumbles and recovered three of them. And that's some so, of the Patriots have not defended well against over the last few weeks. Yeah. So, you know, the Giants defense went the first four weeks of the season without a turnover. And since then have had multiple turnovers in every game except two. So the defense after that first month really seemed to, you know, flip a page and get back to, you know, what Wink Marindale is best at sure all right I, and the final one i have for you matt and, and, and frankly i i'm surprised that you know i've gone all the way to the final question here before you know talking about the probably the most well-known of all the giants and that's sick one barkley but i thought his uh you know his game even though he's sort of uh you know he's been off and on with his injuries really throughout his entire career i, I thought he had enough of an influence last week to sort of assure the giants of uh, being better than the commanders, and that's all you have to do from week to week is just worry about that particular game. And I thought that he, uh, what did he have, like four catches and 80-some-odd yards last week against Washington? So catching the ball out of the backfield adds a dimension to his game. Yeah, I mean, he, he caught four passes and totaled 57, 57 yards. 57 yards, yeah. I confused him with, with uh, Slayton. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no problem. His 57 yards was his personal season high. He caught two receiving touchdowns, which matched his season total in the receiving game up to that point. Right. So you're right. He, he was a huge asset in the passing game, which is something we have seen from Saquon since he arrived with the Giants back in 2018. The thing that impressed me even more than that, though, was the Giants got the ball back with about 40 seconds left in the third quarter. At that point, Saquon had negative two rushing yards. Over wow. his next eight yeah. carries, he gained 85 yards. I mean, that is the reason why the Giants were really able to steal that victory because Saquon, despite not having much success at all, the first pretty much three quarters, kicked it into high gear when the Giants needed it most, averaged over 10 yards a carry on those last eight carries, finished with 83 yards on the day, which is pretty remarkable. Mm -hmm. He almost finished the third quarter with negative yards. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, at least to me, I know that, you know, because I have a lot of Giants fans uh, that I consider in my circle of friends, and a lot of that is because, you know, here in New England, uh, their their dads and their granddads were Giants fans before the Patriots ever existed, and it's just kind of stayed within the family. So I do follow the Giants, you know, at least from a distance a little bit, and I know that there's largely been a lot of disappointment over a team that was expected to be better certainly than 3-8, and eight, but maybe even certainly a contender in the NFC East with the NFC East thought of it being like the AFC East, one of the better divisions in the NFL, and I'm not sure that's quite turned out the way that people thought it would have turned out, but it's interesting to see now that the Giants are playing better football with guys that they really didn't expect it from, and that's why I kind of began the conversation with a guy like DeVito. Yeah, I mean, look, the season definitely did not go how anyone here would have hoped or I guess would have even thought, but the season, you know, it is what it is at this point, and from this point on, all you want to see is your players, especially a lot of the young guys, continuing to develop and show promise as you head into the end of the season and going into the future right so you know tommy especially him playing like he did last week and some of the other young guys on both sides of the ball really stepping up 
that's the sort of thing you want to see over these next seven games. All right. Matthew, thank you very much for the time today. Happy Thanksgiving to you and to yours, and we'll look forward to visiting again on Down the Line. All right. Thank you, guys. Happy Thanksgiving to you. you got it. Same to you. That's Matthew um, Sytek who covers the Giants for Giants.com, taking some time out of his Thanksgiving Eve to join us here inside the Patriots playbook. We're going to switch from the Giants and go right into the Patriots. Nicole Yang, who covers the Patriots for the Boston Globe, she's been a contributor here inside the playbook on several occasions already this year, and Nicole takes a few minutes of her time today to join us. Thanks, Nicole. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me, John. Sure. So, you know, you probably caught at least the tail end of that, but I mean, it, it's it's really kind of odd how you know the Patriots and Giants, as I mentioned earlier, um, it, it's odd that here's two teams that have met each other for World Championships in the past, and yet now the winner of this game on Sunday is, uh, is actually in worse shape than the loser when it comes to getting a higher draft pick next April. And, and that uh, ironic nature to this game on Sunday is uh, it, it just – I couldn't let it go, right? Because, frankly, it, it, it defies description almost. Yeah, it's definitely no Super Bowl matchup or anything close to that. But what's interesting is that it's not necessarily a full tank-off either because the Patriots – I think still want to win this game, even though it might defy what is best for the organization at this point. I think they still are going to be putting forth their best effort to win. And I would like to say the same is for the Giants, just given how their season has gone as well. I don't think either team is going to be tanking per se, even if that might be best for both yeah no I don't believe in tanking and, and we've talked about that on this show a lot of times before uh, tanking is a concoction of fandom uh, and, and I think you can go back to the original tank that at least I was familiar with uh, we're talking mid oh lord I think mid 1980s when the Houston Rockets and the NBA were trying to tank to get Akeem Olajuwon and and I said, you know, that's I said that that that's one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen. And then I got it confirmed. I remember by the Houston Rockets play-by-play announcer at the time. He said, "Yep, these guys have told me they have no intention of winning another game this year." And that's the yeah, only time. That's the only time I've ever heard that. And of course, all those guys got ridden out of town on a cord of wood too. <laughs> you, I think you definitely see it more in the NBA, like most recently with the Philadelphia 76ers, but it just. The way that the Patriots are operating, the way that the players and Bill Belichick are talking about the game, like they definitely want to win as many games as they can in these final seven. I mean, you know, if you're a professional, I mean, you know, uh, I, I know that, you know, as a broadcaster, you as a journalist as well, you know, when you see other people write well and you see other people report well, you know, we applaud them, you know, and because, you know, the, it, there, there's talent you know to go around here but when it happens on your beat and someone beats you to a story uh I, I don't know about you but it makes me want to get up and work a little bit harder and I don't think anybody that gets wrapped in the mouth and gets beat up on on a football field or a, a sheet of ice or a basketball court or wherever the venue might be who gets whipped up on I don't think anybody's going to just take that laying down and say oh well we'll get a better bat draft choice that does not exist in the real world yeah, for sure, especially for the free agents, and the Patriots have plenty of them with their contracts expiring at the end right. of this season. Right. It doesn't matter to them what draft position the Patriots get. Like, they want to put forth, like, their best tape to try and get another deal, to try and get the most lucrative deal they can. No question. I'm sure 
Robert Kraft wants the team to do well so that the Patriots still remain like a desirable destination or a desirable team to put in prime time and things like that. So there's a lot of reasons for why the organization top to down still wants to win. You know, that's a great point right there. And I think that's one that's largely missed by most fans is the fact, look, you know, okay, so you want them to lose and get a top draft pick. Great. Uh, Did anybody ever stop and think that the more you lose, the less desirable your location becomes as a destination? I mean, right. uh, th- that that blows me away. I don't want to go to the Patriots. They sucked last year. And and that's what people are going to think because it's always about what you've done for me lately. Exactly. And now you have the NFL Players Association survey that sort of reveals what players think about their teams and things like that. So there, there's a lot of factors at play in terms of why the Patriots will still want to preserve as much of this winning culture. Like they're, I mean, they're hanging on to last threads here but yeah, yeah of course just to preserve whatever they can of the brand okay well you you kind of opened up a whole nother hornet's nest with that one nicole <laughs> so i gotta follow up on it a little bit here hanging on to a thread or a shred of winning culture should that still include bill belichick yeah i mean it's an interesting question i think the problem with if you're interested in parting ways with bill belichick is how far do the departures go? Because you look at the Patriots coaching staff and even their personnel department, I would say the vast majority, if not every guy, has a personal connection to Bill Belichick. Mm-hmm. You look at the coaches, Adrian Clem, his first draft pick with the Patriots, Troy Brown, his player of 15 years, Gerard Mayo, his player of eight years, Mike Pellegrino, who plays lacrosse, for his good friend Dave Pietramala at Johns Hopkins. Vinny Sanceri, his brief player, but played uh, special teams for Nick Saban at Alabama. Like, every coach, every assistant has a tie to Bill. And so if you get rid of Bill Belichick, are you gutting the rest of the coaching mm-hmm. staff? If you promote Gerard Mayo, say... Is Gerard going to retain the rest of the staff? And we haven't even mentioned his two sons yet either. Mm. So it's a really interesting question. I get the frustration, and I could totally see why the craft, why fans might think that moving on is the right decision. I just think it's a lot more complicated than, all right, we're going to fire or trade or part ways with Phil because – He's everywhere within that coaching staff and personnel. Matt Groh, his dad is Al Groh, who works for Bill, too. So it's like there's just so many ties to Belichick that it wouldn't shock me if he stays and they move on from the quarterback. And they're like, okay, clearly Mac Jones was not the future. There are a lot of good quarterback, quarterback prospects in this draft. What if we reset with that one and see how it goes? Right. Robert Kraft is 82 years old. I don't know how long uh, of a rebuild or how long he wants to wait before the team can sort of turn its way around. Sure. Yeah, I'm 100% on that one. All right, so you mentioned Mac Jones, and you wrote about this a week or 10 days ago that the Patriots – don't believe in Mac Jones in your particular estimation. Otherwise, they might not have made that move to get him out of the game and put in Bailey Zappi two weeks ago when they were playing in Germany. Now, of course, the Patriots are keeping their cards relatively close to the vest in terms of naming a starter for this week's game against the Giants. My personal belief, just based on reading some tea leaves, 
is that Mackey is going to start this game. That's my personal belief. What do you think they should do? What's your belief in that regard? I agree with you. I think Mac is going to start again this weekend. I think there are still seven games left, which, if you can believe it, right. that's still a lot of the season left. It is. And so, as perplexing as the decision was to go away from Mac at the end of that game, I know the interception was bad, but the game is on the line and you're you're going to put a winning drive, winning two-minute drive in the hands of Bailey Zappi, who you also have shown you have no faith in. You subjected him to waivers. You benched him in favor of Millie Cunningham one week. So Mm -hmm. I just think the situation the Patriots have put themselves in just is reflective of the mismanagement at this position. So I think they're going to start back. I agree with that decision just based on how bad the backups has been right. as well. Right. If they had a competent veteran as a backup, then I could totally see why a change at quarterback could provide a spark, could sort of benefit the offense, just a, even just a change in the energy. But just given the options, I understand why they would move forward with Mac. Yeah. I, and look, I actually, you know, I, I'm right. I'm, I'm in lockstep with you on this one. Uh, only because, you know, if it were a veteran backup that had some experience, let's say Brian Hoyer, I, I would buy that one more than I would the rookies that they have now because, frankly, Mac is their best option if they decide to keep him, and they can, you know, with relatively short money, keep him as a bridge option to the next guy, even if they go out and they draft somebody next year. And he's their best chance to do that, especially if you're interested in, you know, watching your funds come out of the pocketbook. So why would you damage him any further if you realize deep down that, hey, we got to hold on to this guy for at least another year, maybe even two, but at least another year. And I frankly think that that's what will end up transpiring. Now, are the Patriots guilty of mismanagement? Yeah, 110 percent. The the way that they've gone about, you know, uh, drafting and, and uh, deciding what the importance is on their roster and everything else. And I, I think they've made some very poor decisions that will need to be addressed every one of these issues in the offseason. I don't think that this is a one-season fix or one-off-season fix. I think the frustrating part about this, and it will be and will continue to be for a lot of fans, is that this is going to take probably more than one year. You can take a big bite out of it because of the the cap room and the extra cap space you should have for next year, but there's no guarantee, there is no guarantee that free agents are going to look at that and say, oh, well, let's go to New England, you know, because, hey, guys only know what they know now, what they know today, and New England hasn't been competitive really in the last couple of years, and I think that's a significant factor. No, I totally agree with you. And I think if you move on from Mac this weekend, it's, you basically are benching him for the rest of the year. I yeah. think you can start Bailey Zappi this weekend, and then if that fails, go back to Mac. Like no. That is, right. again, just like personnel mismanagement. So I see why they would want to keep him. Because like you said, he's still under contract for a, a rookie deal next year. I doubt we'll see what happens with the fifth-year option, but even keeping him in the fold, whether it's as a backup or a bridge next year, you want to sort of preserve that option. Sure. Sure. All right, Nicole, here's here's a good one for you. Toss-up question, right? Who has a better chance of being here next year, Bill or Mac? That's an interesting 
interesting question. I would have to say Mac, just because of that rookie contract. I don't think he's the quarterback of the future. I think perhaps he still has an NFL future as a starter, but just elsewhere, it just clearly isn't working here. And you can debate whose fault that is. And definitely the Patriots are culpable, but it's just where we are now with that situation. I can't imagine it lasting much longer, Right. but I can see it lasting at least one more season just because he is on that rookie contract. He's affordable. And if they're already going to bring in a new quarterback, I can't imagine. I mean, they do have a lot of cap space, but I imagine they just want to keep back in the fold sort of as that, strong backup option that they probably wish they had this year. Agreed, agreed. All right, so where 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 have the where have the bright spots been in your estimation? I know what was it a week or so ago? I know you you did a nice piece on uh, David Andrews and you know him trying to keep the you know the ship together, especially in an offensive line that's been largely disastrous all season long. And in my opinion, a major reason that Mac has not progressed and perhaps regressed in his development here. But where are some of the other bright spots really come from in this team if you can find them yeah I think Jabril Peppers has stepped up as a into a nice leadership role he's having a pretty good season he's had a hand in a number the Patriots haven't had many takeaways this year but he's had a hand in um, the majority of them same goes for Jelani Tavai I think the Patriots have a chance to make the running game a bright spot. It seems to be trending in the right direction yep. after mm-hmm. sort of struggling to start the season because of the offensive line. It, it does seem like run blocking has sort of come together a bit more um, quickly than the past protection has. And you hear Zeke after the game last week, he says that, you know, that's what the offense should focus on. So I would expect this weekend, especially given the fact that the Giants are statistically one of the worst teams against the run, that the Patriots just sort of lean into that. And you kind of saw them do that last week. Mac just sort of derailed the drives with some rough mistakes, but they really started to pound the run game. So I think that has the potential to be their offensive identity moving forward and uh, a bright spot because I would say Ramondre and Zeke are probably their two most talented skill position players on offense. Yep, I think we're I think we're on the same page on that one as well. Nicole, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Hope you and your family have a very happy Thanksgiving and safe travels the rest of the season. Likewise, John. Thanks so much for having me. You bet. Our pleasure. Nicole Yang, at Nicole C. Yang. All one word together for her on x.com, formerly known as Twitter. Uh, and that's where you can read her stuff and catch up with Nicole and I think she's done a really good job of reporting the news on this team throughout the entire year for the Boston Globe so if you're looking for someone to try to give you a little bit of unbiased opinion she's one of those that frankly I think is worth a read there are a few in the marketplace maybe we'll spend a show one of these um, uh, upcoming weeks because we have seven weeks left in the regular season and certainly in the offseason we do our our monthly offseason shows here in the playbook you know we we just may decide to vote and talk about who are your favorite reporters and why, and then we're going to get them here on the show. You know, we've done this before with those of you who host podcasts, your own Patriots pods out there in the um, um, 
blogosphere. And, um, uh, and and that's been a lot of fun. We'll do that again in the offseason coming up. Uh, in fact, had we had a show last week, I was leaning toward doing that one, but it was the off week and uh, and we had travel and all that stuff. So um, uh, we didn't really get a chance to, to think about that much this uh, this this time around, but that'll definitely be an off, uh, a, 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 an off season project for us to get to, because I'd like to know who you guys trust. I'd like to know who you guys read. I'd like to know who you guys listen to. Who do you believe? Who's believable? And why are they believable? And that includes us, by the way. Okay. Because I realize that, you know, for many of you, uh, we might be one of the few sources that you, that you get to, you know, for Patriots news, because wherever you might live, you probably don't get, you know, the the news like, you know, New Englanders would get. Um, and so uh, Patriots.com is naturally going to be the spot that you go to, uh, you know, but nowadays, you know, it's it's not hard to stay connected with your favorite teams, no matter where you are, just because of the Internet. But I'd like to know, you know, is there anybody else on a regional or national level that you really go to for those kind of in, for that kind of information? All right. So we're going to make sure that, you know, that the phone lines are open. 855-PATS-500. But I have some pointed questions that I want to ask you today. We've got some time here. Uh, Russell's going to join us at the bottom of the next hour. So we've got some time here to play with, with you guys and talk with you guys, and I want to get your reaction to a couple of key things. You know, n- number one, I would like to know the question that I asked Nicole from you, and, and that would be, who's going to be here this time next year, Mac or Bill, and tell me why. Okay, that's one, Mac or Bill and why this time next year. Uh, number two, um, and, and guys, this is um, – you know, in all honesty, uh, God, I've tried to you know think long and hard about this because I want to do something that you know feels like we're we're starting to build for tomorrow, and yet, gosh, there's seven weeks left in the season. Does anybody realize that you know we look completely differently on this team, on this franchise, if somehow they win five, six, seven out of the next uh, out of the next seven? Now, do I think that'll happen? No. Yeah, it's probably the longest of long shots. Marine says it's definitely a long shot. But it's not impossible when you consider the records and you consider the opponents that are on the schedule. Now, I would have told you it would have had to probably start two weeks ago with Indianapolis and Germany because that game was right there for the taking. I think we all saw it, and the Patriots just could never take advantage of it. Uh, It was really a, you know... It's hard for me to use this word, but I'm going to use it anyway. It was a pathetic offensive performance. But pathetic also means it sort of intones that, you know, there was some, you know, uh, lackadaisical play. I don't think that was the case at all. I think guys were trying. They're just not capable. And I don't know if it's because of Mac Jones. I don't know if it's because of Bill O'Brien. I don't know if it's because of the offensive line. I don't know if the offensive line screw-ups have, you know, made uh, give Mac the yips. I, I don't know. It could be a combination. Frankly, I think it's probably a little bit of everything, to be quite honest with you. I think it's a little bit of everything. It's not just one thing that is causing this team to play at a miserable level that no one around here has been used to or seen really since 1990. 1990s, the last time you got to go back to a team that started out like this. I know this because I did Rod Rust's TV show. <laughs> I've said that a couple of times, I think, this year. You know, we couldn't even, we didn't, there, it was so bad, we couldn't do a show every week. So we did one once a month. Nuts. Absolutely nuts. 
I want to know what's the one positive take that you have thus far from the first 10, 11 weeks of the season. So while I'm asking you, Mac or Bill, who's going to be here this time next year in your estimation, and I know that's got a negative overtone to it, I also want to know what you feel like is the most positive thing that you can come up with to this point in time. I don't care what the answer is. Oh, they could lose, then they get the top trip. Okay, whatever. I don't care. That's fine. I'm good with either one. But these are two things that I want you to consider both for yourself. So we're going to talk a negative. We are because that's the, the prevalent feeling right now around this franchise. But we're also going to talk a positive. What else? Do you, what do you see out there that is in a positive nature that you'd like to see continue? You'd like to see more growth. Like to see more of. There's got to be a positive aspect to this out there for you. And, and honestly, uh, Nicole mentioned my positive aspect. I, I have loved the play of Jabril Peppers, and while he's not perfect. He brings a mindset to the football field that this team needs more of. He's got that Rodney Harrison mindset where he literally wants to blast the next guy into oblivion. And I think we need more like that on this team. So I'll take 11 Jabril Peppers. I'll take 11 of him out there. Thank you very much. That's a positive thing for me. What's one for you? 855-PATS-500. Web radio at patriots.com if you want to email or if you can't get through at JR Broadcaster uh, on X. Okay, so you can uh, hit me up there uh, with your answer on that one. And then uh, the other one uh, that I am going to deal with with Russell, and it has something to do with the holiday because I just want to have a little fun today. But, you know, I've got, I know everybody's got their, their favorite things for Thanksgiving dinner. What's one must have on your table? And what's one thing you'd like to throw in the trash? Okay. Maureen, what's one thing you have to have on your Thanksgiving table tomorrow? Uh, a lasagna, and I will be making it tonight. Nice. Good for you. Thanksgiving lasagna. You know, I did that one year. I didn't do the turkey. I did it one year when we were in New York, and we went out for Italian on Thanksgiving, and I had lasagna, and it was fantastic. So for a change of pace, it was awesome. I spent $300 at Vendor Ravioli for the ingredients. Whoa, dude. Seriously. Bought the $30 pound prosciutto. Good Lord. They're paying you too much here. <laughs> that is That's a, my treat yourself once a year thing. <laughs> well, that is as vigorous a head shake as I've ever seen anybody give me. <laughs> love it, love it. All right, so that's one thing you have to have on your Thanksgiving table. What's one thing you got to throw in the trash? You know what? Just like the regular corn kernels. I don't eat. You don't I don't eat know, toss them corn? away. Yeah, okay. I like corn on the cob, but... Corn out of Corn the can. I'm out good. of the can? Oh, forget it. No, it can't come out of a can. If it comes out of a can, it's not worth doing. I think they, she, she does it just for the kids. Yeah, well, of course, yeah. Well, that's precisely who it's intended for, I think. Didn't they can vegetables, you know, based on um, uh, we saw more canned vegetables come in the marketplace uh, post-World War II. Here I'm going to go old school on everybody because it was a way to pre- preserve things and keep them around longer because fresh vegetables weren't as prevalent. But it was also then in the 1950s, whenever it was playing Happy Susie Homemaker at home, it was the ease to which they could be prepared. That's how canned vegetables became. And now it's kind of like, dude, if I can't have fresh vegetables or at least frozen, it's I, I just, no, no thank you. Canned vegetables, they have weird nutrients and preservatives, well, too. I, 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 I the freak, metal taste. I, yeah. I, honestly, I've been, I have been a label reader 
okay, at the grocery store for a number of years because I, tr- I really do try to watch my svelte diet here, you know? I try to anyway. Uh, and, you know, but I watch my intake with, you know, sodium and sugar and all that stuff. And those of us in advanced age <laughs> always have to do that. But everybody should, okay? And I-, I read so many labels, and it just freaks me out, some of the preservatives in these canned vegetables. It's just like, whoa, I didn't know this. Whoa, I didn't know this. And the extra calories and the sugar? Come on. There was no fat people in Germany. I believe that. And they drink beer and they eat brats. Right? And there's no fat people. This is like an extra large soda there, you know? Yeah, yeah, right? A bottle of water. I'm holding a normal bottle yeah, of holding soda. a bottle of water. I know. Okay, so there you go. All right, so I've given you several things to think about. I want you to chip in. All right, so uh, let's get to uh, – actually, Patty and Aguam was hanging in first. So, Patty, you get to go here in the playbook. What's up? What's going on, John? Hey, Patty. Happy Thanksgiving to, the, to all the Patriots.com crew, and happy Thanksgiving to you and, and Miss Robin and your guys' family. Thank you, Patty. Same to you and yours, my man. Thank you. Uh, before I get into the, the questions, i got to tell you, because you brought it up earlier in the show. Yep. And I'm waiting for the cool Hansel, or a cool story Hansel, drop. Um, I have three animals in my house, two dogs. One, one of the dogs is a, a lap dog named Archie. <laughs> and... Um, I got a black cat named named Edith. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's fantastic. I love it. I love it. Archie and Edith. Yeah. Listen. Uh, and so uh, now, Patty, you're not as old as I am, but are you old enough to remember uh, all in the family? I remember. I think it. I think it was ending its run when I was real little, but it was on in syndication when I was a kid in the early 80s. Right, exactly. So it's lasted in syndication for a long time, but yeah, it, st- it, it ended its run, I think, mid-70s. Mid-70s. And I had a German named Lucy, and uh, if we get another animal, we're going to name it Ricky. So we'll have Ricky <laughs> and Lucy and Archie Edith and Edith. Archie. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. I, and frankly, I, I like uh, naming uh, animals and pets off of a favorite uh, you know, television characters. I, I do. I think that's fun. That's fun. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. My, my, my two cats are both, uh, you know, uh, one's a big tabby, but they're both Maine Coons, so they have the big, you know, fur around their necks and, and big tails. Uh, one is yeah. Ar- one is Archibald, and but he is named he is he is named for Archie Bunker, uh, but we call him Archibald. And then the other one is Zacchaeus with a Z. Uh, he's the one that I've dressed up, uh, or my I should say Miss Robin dressed up uh, for Halloween as Batcat, only because he would. Archie looks at us like. Don't even dare thinking about putting that piece of blank on my backside, okay? He's 13 years old, and he's just not going to put up with it. But Batcat will allow us to do that because he's only six months old. Uh, Zacchaeus is a biblical name for anybody that knows any of their biblical history. And, and we just decided because we wanted two cats from A to Z. Nice. Pretty simple. So there you go. All right. Now that um, we've shared. Now that we've shared the question. Um. If I had to go one or the other, because I don't think either of them are going to be back, but if I had to go one or the other, I do think it would be Bill because he's got the track record. I mean, um, like what Jonathan Kraft said before, I can't remember if it was before this season or last season, that he's built up equity yep. you know, over his yep. career yep. here with the Patriots. Yep. And um, as much as I don't like the personnel decisions he's made the past few years, maybe like the past six or seven years, he still is one of the best coaches and one, and probably the best game plan coach in the league still today. Okay. Um, and I think the Crafts would look at it this way: like, yeah, we're not going to let this 
you know, the kid that hasn't really lived up to his, his draft billing stick around and, and, you know, get rid of our coach, our legendary coach. Yeah. To me, that wouldn't make too much sense mm-hmm. if I had to pick one or the other. Um, I'm sorry, the second question, because I got it. Second question was, the se- yeah, the second question has to do with the one positive that you can take out of what you've seen thus far. Yeah, you know what, you brought it up. Um, it's the young guys, like, I, I think, like the girl Peppers, and I think Jelani Tavai, I think you got two, two younger guys there that at least, like, they're, they're good players. They're really good players. But I think those are guys that can blossom into, like, the next generation of leaders of the Patriots, at least on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and, you know, there's there's hope and prosper for, for guys like Christian Gonzalez and for, uh, oh, my God, I, John, I'm, an, I'm, I'm almost in drinking mode, so my brain is blanking out. Why can't I think of the, the big number 90? Why can't I think of his Christian Barmore? Thank you. Yep. The big, you know, you got some good foundational pieces there on defense, I think, uh, going forward. And even a guy like if they bring back Kyle Duggar. I mean, you, you, who knows? If, but if they do bring him back. I'd like for uh, that to happen. I would like for that to happen. I'd like to see Duggar return. I love, yeah. I love, Doug, I love Duggar. I love his athleticism. I love when they just pretty much stick him in the box and say, do your thing, buddy. Yeah. You know? um, so, yeah, that's, that's, my, that's my one positive. I still think that if they can get the offense fixed over the next two years, they can be contenders, you know, and I think it's because they do have those foundational pieces on defense right now. Okay, so that is to me, and that's a big positive for me. Okay, I think that's a good positive. Now, what do you have to have on your Thanksgiving table, and what do you need to throw in the trash? Well, I'm mostly Scottish and Irish, John, so I gotta have the mashed potatoes on the table. Yes, gotta have the tates. Gotta have them. Okay, and um, what drives me nuts. Now, I don't get fresh cranberries like you, but I do get, like, you know, the store-bought cranberries that I make on the stove, on the stove top. Okay, that's good. Um, what I could throw out is the canned crap that the wife puts <laughs> in But I'm, I'm of the age where, I, at once upon a time, I was probably well into my 20s before I realized that, you know, cranberry sauce was actually not a gelled thing that came out of a can. <laughs> I know. I, I just I never had seen a cranberry before, and then of course the last decade I've I've, I've uh, had three cranberry bogs in my backyard until a year ago anyway because I moved closer to the ocean. But I'm just like wow, I, I never knew the process for you know producing and growing cranberries and how they sent them off to ocean spray or wherever the hell they sent them off to. And to be like me growing up, it would all depend on how much my mom would have to drink the night before. I guess. Yeah. I, I think if she didn't have too much, we would get like the the good cranberries. Yep. And, um, yep. you know, hungover Sally would just open up the can and say, here, here's the cranberries. <laughs> What's most disgusting, disgusting is when you open up the can and you get that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> just kind of gives me the willies when I hear that. <laughs> So I, I have there, to John. I have to take like a spoon and, and spoon it out because I just can't do that. So it's kind of like ooh, <laughs> uh, Patty. Know, they're, they're whole. They're they're not actually all that bad, but when they're just that gelatinous. Blob, yeah, 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 yeah. It's that's tough. That that's that's a little. Yeah, I totally understand that one. Patty, happy Quick Thanksgiving. Yeah, go. You want to predict? Go ahead. I'll take, I'll take the Giants seventeen to ten. Seventeen ten. Yeah, I'm kind of leaning that direction myself, to be quite honest with you. 
Uh, All right. Have Thanksgiving, John. Have a great holiday, Patty. Patty and Agawam. Eldred in North Carolina. Eldred, thanks for hanging in, brother. How are you? Hey, Mr. Legend. Thank you. And I hope you and Miss, uh, I forgot her name. Robin. Thanksgiving. Robin. Miss Robin. Robin. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Nope. That's that's quite all right. That's quite all right. She does ask about you from time to time, like, where was Eldred today whenever you don't call? So she wants to make sure that you're okay out there in the road when you're when you're driving the 18 wheeler. Tell I say I appreciate it. Yes, I'm not. I'm off today. We got off a little bit early because it's Thanksgiving Eve. Of course, of course. Do a little cooking and everything else. Too, of course. So. Did the did the storm going up the East Coast? Did that get by you guys yesterday or was it last night? Uh, it hit us hard yesterday. Uh, really Mon- Monday Monday evening yesterday, and uh, it's clearing up. To, probably clearing up today, but like it's coming back again. Oh. Good Lord. Okay. Yes, it's cloud yeah. is on the wood in Charlotte. Yeah, we we've and been it, we've it, been nailed with it all day today. So. Yes, sir. so that's why we're doing it up here. Right. You know. Right. So I'm glad, I'm glad to be home early. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. That'll make two of us here very very soon. All right. Tell me what you got. Tell me what's on your mind. Uh, I'd rather neither one of them be here next year, but I know that ain't gonna happen. Right. So I I got a feeling they both will be. You think they you know, both because, will be? Okay. All right. Yes, sir. Because um, I, I, what I hate is, well, let me be frank. What I hate is let Bill run this draft board again. If by chance, if they say we don't be third, we get down to seven or eight, mm-hmm. you know, I win a couple games or whatever. Mm-hmm. And instead of him doing what he's supposed to do, because the last five drafts will show everybody that, you know, he can't draft or, or – it ain't that he doesn't know the people. He don't want those people. He wants those other people because he thinks everybody in the draft is equal to the people down in the lower part of the draft, which is not so. Yeah. You know, you, you, you got seven good quarterbacks coming out this year. I, I don't want no part of Caleb Williams, especially when he said, point, uh, point out, I would not play for New England or anybody else with a losing record. Yeah. You know, that was, that was his take. And New England was the first one out of his mouth. Right. Uh, Drake May, I see Drake May here. You know, he don't show up good, especially when my team, Florida State, whooped that butt. You know, that defense got to him and he, whatever. I like Jordan Travis, but he got hurt. He's gone for the year, so he's going to go down to a lower draft class. But I'm more in, intrigued with Pettit, you know. And everybody's saying, well, he just throw the deep ball. No, he can throw the short ball, long ball, and he's accurate, 100% accurate. Mm-hmm. He can move a little bit. Had a couple injuries, I understand, you know, but – He's a darn good prospect. They got him going either first or second round. My main man is Marvin Harrison. I know we won't get him because Bill won't draft him. (laughs) A wide receiver. The Bears end up getting him. The Bears will get him because they got that up. And they're going to give Justin Fields that number one threat on the outside Mm -hmm. to go along with the rest of them. Mm -hmm. That's what I would do if I was them. But Bill, I I don't trust with the draft because of what he drafts. And the way he drafts. And um, just like I said, the guard, the tackle, whatever, cold strain with a bust, just like Tyquan Thornton. But, you know, y'all told me back then, so with the draft grade, I said an F. Y'all said, you can't do that within three years. It's been a year and a half. And and you, well, I have to, I'd have to say that you're certainly trending toward that F. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. <laughs> without a doubt. Yes, sir. Without a doubt. But uh, I've been, you know, Bill. Knowing, knowing Mr. Kraft, he ain't gonna have the gumption to pull. But if but if you look back, you're a businessman. 
and you see your business going down from the last uh, five years, draft course, mm-hmm. eight. and people in Bill legendary status, once they lose, like I said, they lose that number one quarterback, it goes hill. Now, the only one didn't was Shula. He made it to the playoffs a couple times, but he never never could win after that. Mm-hmm. You know, but everybody else, they suck. Excuse my language, but yeah. they did. Yep. And they had a bad ending towards their career right. when they should have got out on top. And Bill seventy two, I don't care what nobody say. He ain't changing his way. He ain't changing for nobody. He can always think that he's uh, you know his way is the best way. Just give me a top fifteen quarterback. And they can run my system. Like I said, well, you got one. He couldn't mm-hmm. run it. He grabbed the wrong one. You know. So any 15 can't run your system. And everybody get mad at me, but like I, I said again, and I mean it with 100 in my heart, he wasn't the greatest coach until he got the greatest player. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. NFL facts have bagged that up. Mm-hmm. 48-52 out of 100 games. Mm-hmm. You know. But uh, he'll be back, and if, if he don't – Submit to the GM rule. Well, we're gonna we're gonna be doing this for for years, years to come. <laughs> like I said before, five to ten, maybe longer. Once their quarterback's gone, the rebuild get back permanent. Yeah. It ain't always the same coach. It's another regime. Mm-hmm. You know. And if I heard you earlier about Bill and the coaches tied to him, mm-hmm. if I was a new regime coming in, I try to keep Mayo as my defense coordinator. Troy Brown got to go as my wide receiver coach because he. Yeah, he's he's effing it up as training those wide receivers. I would have to you say know, that that that's much, largely that that's actually uh, been one of the the disappointments that really nobody has talked about this year. But it's been, or very few have talked about. It, I'll put it that way. But uh, you know, I, the the development of the wideouts under Troy Brown um, has been non-existent, and Troy's been critical of himself the few times that we've heard from him. You know, when the assistant coaches you know have their time to be interviewed. I would say that there's there's a disconnect there in some form or fashion, uh, either with what he's teaching or what those guys are picking up from the organization. There's a disconnect. And, yeah, I, I you know, and, and nobody wants to say, oh, Troy's done a horrible job because Troy is beloved as a Patriots former player because of what he meant to the team and his give it all. And, you yes, know, sir. the fact that he was a very low draft pick, you know, coming from a little known place like Marshall and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but, yeah, hey, look, this is a bottom-line business, and I think everybody on this staff, yep. including Troy Brown, has to be held accountable. And especially where I received. The one that came out that was did good, and and I hate because Mitchell got hurt and they helped us win that Super Bowl, was Mitchell. Mm-hmm. You know, he, you know that's the one he did good. But everybody else, all the other wide receivers, nothing. Taekwondo threw it, nothing. And, and I told everybody again, Harry was a bust from Jump Street. Should have got DK. Mm-hmm. You know, or AJ Brown, and what makes it bad? Like I said, they worked them all out. They went and saw you all up, and then you are gonna pick Harry because of uh, Coach Edwards, bomb deal, mm-hmm. bomb deal. You know, but um, he got to go. I wish they had hired Sean Jefferson uh, last year when he came over with uh, with Bill O'Brien, because I think Tyquan would be a little bit better. But then again. I still say they ain't using them right because I, cause I don't know. It's just the way, you know, things happen. And they just can't develop that group. They hit on Gonzalez, but they flunked five years before then. Yep. You know? Yep. And Gonzalez fell too. But he could have got a better cornerback, not better than Gonzalez, a good one last year, 
but he passed on. Yeah. Should have got one when he got cold strength. Yeah. You passed on. Mm-hmm. You know, and you got strange and all that other junk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just his draft. And like I say, he gets set up in this age and my way or the highway. And then he don't keep the core guys that he trained. Myers, I hate if uh, if they let uh, the, the safety go. They J- let, uh, Peppers? When you go. Not Peppers. Uh, the other, 23. Oh, Duggar, Kyle Duggar. Duggar. Yeah, if they let Duggar. To me, my core is Duggar, uh, when you, uh, the running back, and then that's uh, right there. Stevenson. Got that contract. Stevenson is coming up. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I try to build around that little bit right there. You know, but those are guys I'm keeping because it's time for their contract. Okay. I'm keeping those guys. Okay. But you let Myers go, you let some more guys go, and they furbish in everywhere else. Okay, you know. So is that is that really your your positive out of all of this that you found some guys that you you definitely want to keep? That one and, and I love Baltimore, 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 Christian Baltimore. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah he belongs. He belongs. He belongs in that conversation. I agree with that. Yeah, and I believe I'm hoping that Keon White furs just a little bit more. Yeah, me too. You know, me too. A little bit more. I I had a lot of I had a lot of expectation for Keon before the season started. Some of it was probably misguided because I I wanted it bad enough, but from what little I saw of him in camp and the preseason, I thought this guy could end up being a player. I, I wondered just because of the way things have played out that some of that growth hasn't been stunted a little bit, but uh, you know, I'd still like to continue to see him get opportunities here because I think he can make a very good professional football player at some point in time in the very near future. Me too. Hey, uh, uh, Mr. Legend. Yo. I tried looking up Claire Perspective. Oh, but yeah. I can't find it on, on the podcast. You can't. I've been looking on All I right. can't find it. No, did, did, no. did, did you try to contact her on Twitter? Twitter? Yeah. No, sir, I haven't okay, seen all right. Well, her handle on Twitter is at Clazy Claire, C L A Z Z Y, C L A R E. All right, and she might even okay. be listening right. to this. So, Claire, if you're listening okay. to this, Eldred wants to know where he can get your podcast. Yes. Right? Love, yes, sir. Okay. Love to talk to him. Okay. Yeah. See, so there you go. All right, that's good. Yep. All right, and Thanksgiving dinner. I I, I got to ask you, you what 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 has to be on your table. Has to be my turkey that I cook. Ooh. Okay. No. 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 Well, I. I. We secrets we need, ideas we need. How do you prepare it? Mm-hmm. I prepare it well. I, I let it thaw for two days. You know, real good. Mm-hmm. Marinated over or uh, marinated on Wednesday night. Um, marinated with what? Uh, I'm not gonna give you my secrets. Sir. Come on, Eldred. <laughs> Come on. You I, cannot I do that here. You cannot do uh, that here. I, I, it's just the two of us anyway. Yes, no, nobody else is listening. For six, for six years, and they all, uh, uh, are, are you going to do the turkey this year, uh? But my, because my sister wanted fried turkey one time, so we did that. I didn't do the turkey. They said, did you bring yours, uh? I said, nope. Mm-mm. So wow. next year, when they got rid of the fried turkey, I, now I'm doing all the turkey. So, so you guys ditched the fried turkey, deep fried, I assume, yes, for, for your, yes, your, your, your recipe. Well, you got to tell. You got to give me a hint. I'll share with you. I'll share with you because 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 I cook the turkey as well. Okay, 
That's my deal, and, it, and it's my brine. I brine a turkey. In fact, it's brining right now as we speak. And when I go home from the studio here, I will go home, and I will clean it and prepare it for the oven tomorrow. But it's still brining right now. So I will share with you my brine recipe if you at least give me a little hint about what you do. What I do? Yeah. Mm, okay. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Help help a brother out now. Come on. You know we're brothers okay. from another mother, so let's go. Yes, sir. All yes, right. Sir. Okay. So my marinade sauce is I start with uh, uh, apple cider vinegar. Ooh, okay. A little soy sauce. Soy. Uh, yep, yep, yep. Uh, some uh, garlic, some uh, mm-hmm. thyme, mm-hmm. thyme. Mm-hmm. And I put a little, um, what's that? Uh, can't get the main thing, but, but you. <laughs> You're going to give me everything but the main ingredient. Otherwise, it yeah. sucks without this main ingredient. Okay, I got it. Yes. So what I do is I put that in there, and then, like I said, like you, I get my turkey cleaned and everything ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And by, by another 30 minutes, I'm finna to go in there and uh, mar- put it in the marinade, marinate all over it. Yep. Put it in the bag, put it in the refrigerator. Yep. And Thursday morning at about 6, I get up and I cook it. Yep. And uh, if I don't put it in at 7, so we'll be at my sister's house at 2.30. On Thanksgiving, my sister's house. Yep. Christmas time to come to my house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or vice versa. So, so do you cook both turkeys? Do you do turkey again on Christmas? Yes, Okay, all right. Turkey, and, uh, sweet potato pie, banana pudding. Oh, sweet potato pie and banana pudding? Yes. My veins hurt just hearing you say that. <laughs> and what I don't like is macaroni and cheese. I'm sorry. Really? I eat it. I, yeah, yeah, I see. I, you being a son of the South, I would think you would like mac and cheese. Sir, I did a long time ago, but you heard of Nestle, right? Stouffer's, uh, yeah. Lean Cuisine and yeah. Nestle? Yeah. Well, okay. Gaffney, South Carolina, where I used to stay at, uh, Stouffer's had a big plant there. Got Still got a big plant there until Nestle brought them out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I worked on Line 7. So we did mac and cheese for a year every day. So either I prepped the noodles, oh. made the sauce, prepped the sauce, Okay. Applied the noodles or N- whatever. Enough said. Get a taste on it. I got, I got it. I I got you. Yeah, you just you got sick of it. I totally get it. I I understand. Yes. Sir. Yeah, I get it. Yes, all right. So uh, all right. So let me, I'll quick you give. I'll let you know what's in my my brine. All right. It, it depends on the quantity. Now I won't give you the quantity, but I'll give you the ingredients. So I brine mine. Okay. Uh, first of all, I take the turkey's got to be completely thawed, and then I put it in a double uh, bagged uh, you know uh, garbage bag. Is what I do. You know, like I'm going to throw it out, except I'm not going to throw it out. And then what I cook for the brine, it has, uh, you know, water, uh, has uh, brown sugar, has maple syrup, has salt, has peppercorns, has bay leaf, uh, and has uh, soy sauce. Well, I tried that brown sugar once before, and it kind of like, uh, the bag got kind of stuck. To, I'm like, what the devil? How you, you know, well, uh, cut that out? I used to put that in there, too. Well, I, I would tell you that the, the secret ingredients, really, in this particular instance, uh, are the, the brown sugar and the maple syrup. Uh, largely because it gives it a flavor where it really eliminates a lot of the gaminess. Uh, if, if some people don't prefer turkey, it's usually because it's probably a little gamey, and that's the way that you know turkeys usually are. But the, the brown sugar and, and, the, and the maple, uh, they, they smooth out that gaminess where it's just uh, like, oh, if you do it right, it's like butter. It really is. Okay. It smells good. Gotcha. The, the bay gives it a lot of good flavor as well. 
Uh, and then I like the peppercorn because I like mine to have a little bit of spice to it. Uh, you could add uh, uh, garlic, but uh, Miss Robin's not a huge fan of garlic, so I leave the garlic out. Yeah, I gotta look and, and I and I put a little uh, fresh crunched uh, salt in there, and then the soy sauce for a little body and and just a. Uh, and, and, and largely, you know, ju- just to sort of keep it from being too sweet because you don't want something that's too sweet. And meat is not supposed to be that sweet. It's supposed to have a little exactly. bit of, you know, yeah, it's supposed to have a little hardness to it. So that's kind of what I do. Mm-hmm. And then it's worked every time, every time, every time I brine a turkey, it works every time. So that's why we don't even, we don't put a turkey straight in the oven from, you know, from the wrapper. We, you know, I've got to take a good 24 to 36 hours to prep it and brine it mm-hmm. and then clean it and then baste it while it's cooking. And if you baste it with that brine again, after, uh, you know, you've got it in the oven, uh, it's going to be nice and golden and the skin will be crispy and the flavor will be all throughout it. So it works out pretty well. That sounds real good, too. Okay. See, there you go. Now, what's the one thing? What's the one thing that you'd like to throw in the trash off of your table? Uh, mac and cheese. Okay. All right. I figured as much. figured you are going to probably go there. Mm-hmm. So, All right. I have to admit, <laughs> yes. it's, a, it's, a big, it's a big thing up here, uh, at least in the Northeast, uh, and where we're located, uh, and I'm not sure why, but I, 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 I don't do the uh, – my, my wife and her mother, they love carrots and turnips. And okay. I, I can't, I can't do it. I just can't do it. I'm sorry. Yeah, I can't. Say, no, I can't do it. I mean, the, it's yeah, it's it's a yeah, it's just that they like it, and so you know, every once in a while we bring it to the table, but they're like, oh, do you want any carrots and turnips? And I'm like, uh, no, thank you. I'm going to have an extra helping of this. <laughs> i don't want to be mean of course of course miss robin's listening right now anyway she's like okay scratch that off the list so but but i and i don't mean that to be bad it's just that i i don't know turnips and i have just never really agreed and i'm not sure why because i remember my grandpa used to love turnips in fact um the other vegetable he loved that I didn't really develop a taste for until I was much older in life are Brussels sprouts. And a lot of people still don't like Brussels sprouts. It's an acquired well, I, taste. I, I do, too. I do, too. But he loved love turnips Brussels and Brussels sprouts. And the only way that I could eat those is if I threw a bunch of Tabasco sauce on it. And, you know, and of course, my, my grandfather, I remember, he used to call them, he used to call them little cabbages because that's what they look like. They look like little cabbages, right? And uh, he yeah, put that on there, and, and that would make them edible. But I, I just I couldn't do it with turnips. I tried, I tried, I tried, I couldn't do it. Brussels and th- sprouts with hot sauce. Your house must have been awful. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Brussels sprouts <laughs> with hot sauce. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Between me and my grandfather, oh, yeah. Uh, we Let's put it this way. Gas furnace was working. <laughs> working. <laughs> uh, it was working. It was fired up. It's <laughs> the way it worked. Hey, it's always, Eldred, I I really always look forward to our conversations. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to visit with us, and I wish you and your family a very happy Thanksgiving. Same here, Mr. Legend. Always good to talk to you, sir. You too. So you have a good one. Yep, you too. You too, Marine. (laughs) See, there you go. Hoorah. He just gave it back to you. Uh, Eldred in North Carolina, one of the good ones out there. They're all good. You're all good. I appreciate you a lot. 855-PATS-500. 855-PATS-500, web radio at patriots.com, um, at JR Broadcaster on uh, the social media app formerly known as Twitter. I'm going to start calling it that. I don't really care. Um, I got this little tidbit as well from this week's game. 
that I wanted to share uh, because I don't guess I was aware of this. The Patriots sent this out a little while ago, and I'm not sure who they sent it to yet, but I just wanted to pass this along, that, you know, Coach Belichick is going to coach in his 423rd overall game since joining the Patriots in 2000, okay? Uh, And this also includes the postseason. So he's 423 games now that uh, he will have coached when he steps in on the sideline against the Giants this weekend. Belichick is going to tie... Don Shula for the third most games coached with one team in NFL history. Now, I'll wager you can gather who number one and two are on the list. Number one is the slam dunk. It's George Hallis with the Chicago Bears, right? Okay. Number two on the list with one team now, one team. Okay. And it was the, I'll give you a hint, it was the only team that he coached before he was unceremoniously gassed by Jerry Jones. It's Tom Landry. Tom Landry second on that list with 454 games with one team. So Belichick ties Shula at 423 for number three. So he's definitely going to pass Don Shula in one category in two weeks when the Patriots come back home to play. He will move into third place all time in games coached with one team, including the postseason. And that would also leave him 83 games behind George Hallis. I'll be honest, I don't know if he gets there or not. I, you know, I, I, I don't know if he gets there. You know, and that, that kind of speaks to the question that I had for you today, one of the questions that I had for you today, which certainly goes along with, you know, this time next year, who's more likely to be here? Is it Bill or is it Mac? And the, the more that I've thought about it, uh, I, I, I've actually danced, you know, probably the turnip two-step on this one uh, back and forth uh, from Bill to Mac to Bill to Mac. And right now, I'd have to say, if, if you really held my feet to the fire over this one, uh, I would say more likely to be here next year is Mac. And that's not because I really think the Patriots are going to part ways with Bill. I've gone back and forth on this one, too. I've had a range of emotions on this one, just like you guys have. And and the only reason I, I would say Mac over Bill at this stage is because, first of all, I don't think Bill needs the angst anymore. He's going to want to go to a place. I, I, it's, I think it's pretty clear he wants to still coach for a couple of more years, not to – past the coaching record, you know, most games coached with one team that, you know, uh, a guy like George Hallis has. and may, But I certainly think the wins record that Don Shula has at 347, I, I think that that's important to him. And I've always said that. I've maintained that for the last couple of years since we really started talking about it when 300 looked like it was going to be right around the corner. I think it means something to him because Bill is a historian of the game. I think the Crafts are historians of the game. Let's remember, they started out as season ticket holders of this franchise before Mr. Kraft bought the team back in the early 90s. So I, I just I think that they would love for that to happen. I don't know if he's going to get that chance because I think Mr. Kraft, also being the multi-billionaire that he is, is a businessman, and he understands that, hey, you know what? Um, sometimes you have to opt in, uh, operate in the, in the interest of the business. Just like Bill has always said, I'm only doing what I think is in the best interest of the football team. Mr. Kraft has to do what's in the best interest of the franchise. So if they're both adhering to those principles, 
That's why I make the choice of Mac being here next year over Bill if I have to choose between one. Like, uh, gosh, I think it was um, I think it was Patty uh, who just mentioned, he said, I think both of them are going to be here. No, Eldred said that. Eldred said both of them are going to be here next year. I happen to agree with that. I think both will still be here next year. I, that's where I currently am. But if I had to choose one over the other, that's why I would choose Mac because, to me, it's a business decision. You can control his salary. And, yeah, you're probably going to have to pay off Bill, but allegedly only for a year, and you're going to get something back in return for him. If you cut Mac, you get nothing unless you trade him. So, I, you know, I just, I'm going to side with Mac on that one. That's kind of what I have to that's, – that's kind of where I am. As far as the, the, the positive out of this year, I mentioned it uh, in the previous conversations here. Uh, I, I, I'm going to take the play of Jabril Peppers uh, because I like the mindset that he brings. I like the rough, tough – ready to rumble, I want to hit somebody, you know, mindset, which is, you know, to me, that's what the mid-2000 Patriots had. And if you really want to get back to championship-level football, you've got to have a team full of these guys. I like that. That's, that's what I think. And I'm glad that somebody in that locker room feels likewise. And then, as far as the stuff i got to have on my table, which I go in the trash, look, you know, my favorite side is Miss Robin's cornbread stuffing. She was baking the cornbread when I left for the studio today. The house smells like heaven. It's just like you got to be kidding me, right? That's not real. That's like so, that's like dreaming it. Oh, John, I felt something move. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, something just stirred. <laughs> I got it. Okay, her cornbread stuffing is is out of this world. What I can do without is what I just told you with Eldred. The, 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 I can do without the carrots and turnips, although I don't think that's on the menu for tomorrow. I don't believe it's on the menu. So there ain't going to be anything that I am, I'm not going to want to, you know, partake in. And, and so I, I feel blessed. I feel very blessed. I feel, you know, uh, very privileged to have that because I know there are a lot of people that don't necessarily have that. Uh, and um, my wish to you is that uh, – Good fortune smiles upon you wherever you are because everybody deserves that. We have so much, so much going wrong in the world these days. Uh, there's not something, there's something that happens almost every day in the news that makes you just shake your head. You know, hashtag SMH, right? Uh, and you just wonder, how did we get here? And so, at least for a moment, uh, I, I just, I want to wish peace. I want to wish good fortune. That's what I want. That's what I want for everyone. You know, it sounds cliche-ish and, and very immature to say, you know, I just I want everybody to be happy. Well, I kind of do because I do try to appreciate every day that I'm here. And I hope that you guys kind of feel likewise. Um, but, um, yeah, happy Thanksgiving to each and every one of you. And uh, speaking of Thanksgiving. A real woman could stop you from drinking. It has to be a real big woman. It's time to go around the NFL with football guru Russell Baxter. Now on, your name is Flounder. On Patriots Playbook. Flounder. Happy Thanksgiving Eve, Mr. Baxter. Happy Thanksgiving Eve, too. I wish you peace. Uh, would it be a pumpkin or apple? <laughs> See, I knew you would do that. <laughs> That's called the old softball toss that you just went pow right out of here. 
high lob at the net, you got to hit it back. Yeah. I have to, in fact, when I'm done here, I'll be not only going back to the kitchen where Miss Robin is preparing the cornbread, but I go to work in the kitchen, Russell, because oh. I do the baking. Yes, I do the baking, and so pumpkin pie is definitely on the menu, and it is my grandmother's recipe. See, I, I, I do a lot of cooking in my house, not baking. Baking's got too much, many measurements for me. <laughs> I, like, I, like, I, like to, I like to play around, but it's funny. If I ever did, I, I, I said this to somebody last week, if I ever did want to start baking, I think I'd be baking breads. Breads. Doing different stuff yeah. like breads and rolls and yeah. uh, maybe even crackers yeah, and yeah. flatbreads. Yeah, totally. Like that. That's the kind of stuff that feels to me. Totally. Yeah, no, I, I, I would tend to agree with that one, and those are vastly underrated. So let, let's start with this one today. Uh, the one thing that you cannot do without on your Thanksgiving table. Seconds. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, I, I should have seen that one coming. I, I think stuffing epitomizes Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that. And I'm one of those people that likes their sausage and their stuffing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and stuff. But I think one of the other things that epitomizes Thanksgiving is putting that turkey, stuffing, mashed potatoes, and cranberry sauce all into one fork. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty impressive. And getting all the all the food groups, yeah. brown, white. Beige. All colors. You know, all that. <laughs> Try to get all the food group colors in one fork. That's yeah, that's a challenge. That, that flavor combination, the four of those things together. That, <laughs> totally. That's dynamite. And, of course, you know, you, you do turkey sandwiches, uh, turkey salad. Oh, dude, there's and nothing I'm, better. There, there's it sound like Bubba Gump. That, yeah, no question. There is no better leftover than a day after turkey sandwich. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, my my good friend Tom Jackson, you all know who he is, and so on. We will often talk about uh, basically the the stuffing, the turkey, and the cranberry sauce on the bread. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah, turkey stuffing. Uh, in in fact, I'll tell you who taught me how to make the best turkey sandwich ever is Pete Brock. Oh, okay. the, the Patriot Super Bowl Center from Super Bowl XX. But, you know, Pete and I were broadcast partners doing college football together for a number of years. And, uh, you know, his his wife, was, she, it was it was it was spectacular, but it was nothing more than thinly sliced, you know, fresh turkey. It wasn't like right. deli style or anything, but it was thinly sliced. And then you had a layer of. Uh, stuffing, and then you had a layer of mashed potato, and then you had a layer of uh, cranberry sauce, and then on top of that, you had a, a small piece of cheese, not to disturb from really the the flavor, but to just kind of keep everything ba- binded bound together, and then a drizzle of turkey gravy with the with with like a, with the bread. That's like a Thanksgiving lasagna. Yes, yes, exactly. That's exactly what it was. Basically, it was a Thanksgiving lasagna on between two pieces of bread. And I'm just like, oh, my goodness. And so when we would travel over Thanksgiving weekend, you know, Pete would uh, he'd bring this little bag along and he'd say, looky what I got here, John. And it was the little, you know, grab bag full of, you know, Thanksgiving sandwiches. Uh, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh. I'm, I am a blessed person. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, that was how I learned to make my, my Thanksgiving sandwich. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll quickly tell you my favorite Thanksgiving story. When okay. I was Before I got into this profession and finding my way around life and so on, I worked at a resort in the Poconos called Shawnee on the Delaware, a uh, big tongue <laughs> show resort. And so okay. on. I worked with a young lady eating 
Sue Adamczyk, who's still a very, very good friend of mine. Yeah. And one of the things I always told her is my mother couldn't stand the fact that I had to work on Thanksgiving. Yeah. She wanted her family together, you know, all 11 of us together. And, mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. she also felt that everyone should have a place to be on Thanksgiving. Nobody mm-hmm. should have to work. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Sue and I worked uh, that night for about 930. Sue came over to my house, and at 10 p.m., my mother made Sue a turkey sandwich, Ooh. just so she could feel that she was somewhere for Thanksgiving. How about that? That's really great. Yeah. That's really great. You know, and I like to try to do the same as much as we can, you know, so, oh, I, yeah. I, yeah, that's that's just, you know, that's part of, uh, you know, that, that's part of the whole, you know, giving thanks as far as I'm concerned. We, we lose that's sight of what... Yeah, we, we my mom. yeah, and I and, and and God bless your mom for for that attitude. My mom, and my grandmothers were both like that, and so I've tried to pick up a little bit in in their you know uh, memories, you know, over the years to try to give back because I think we lose sight of what this holiday is really supposed to be about oh, in this country, yeah. right? Well, it's funny, funny. A, a, a young lady that you might remember from ESPN that we used to work with named Diane Dillon. Okay, um, I, I, met, I remember meeting her. Yeah, in the offices and so on, and I used to have it thing at my house, John, called the Baxter Luau. Um, I, I won't tell you how many people would attend, and I won't tell you some of the things that happened. Um, uh, they're good memories, and for some people, they'll never remember anything that happened. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. But one day, Diane, at one of the parties one year, we did this for a long time. She, you know, Somebody came up to me uh, when Diane was sitting there and said, Russell, why do you do this every year? Why do you open the house and you make all the food and all that stuff? And without even blinking, Diane looked at me and said, because of your mom, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We, 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 we Yeah. Got to meet my mom when my mom, when my mom came up to ESPN and made Italian food a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, you know, that was like 20-something years ago that people yeah. were still full. Yeah. <laughs> Not a surprise. Wow, I wish I'd been around for that. I bet that was an experience. Oh, I, I every once in a while on Facebook, one of the people I used to work with will bring up my mom's. Uh, one year she made lasagna, John, and after her visit and so on, I asked her if she had a good time. She said yes, but she said, "I'll never make lasagna for your friends again." And I went, "Oh my God, who said something to my mom?" And she goes, "No, no, no, no. Your your friends are fine, but your friends eat lasagna cold. You're not allowed to eat lasagna cold." She, goes, no. she said, "If it's a on the street, she goes next year when I come up here." I'm bringing them sausage and meatballs and crock pots and pasta salad, and we're going to keep everything hot. Okay. And then a year later, that's exactly what she did. How about that? That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Marine just told us uh, at the beginning of the show that uh, he is in charge of the Thanksgiving lasagna in his household. So There you go. Yeah, uh, if I found out anybody ate it cold, I wouldn't invite him back. See? He's a um, stickler for that. Stickler for when, that. When my mom made that first visit, true story, um, Chris Berman was having a uh, helping, and my mom took the plate out of his hands and went downstairs and microwaved it. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not kidding. That's true. <laughs> Mrs. That's Baxter, true. you need to, you need to get back, 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 back here. <laughs> <laughs> it's, but it's true. She was like, "No, you're not eating this cold. No way." I think I just cracked myself up with that one. (laughs) Such the life that I lead. All right, so I've gone. We've gone from things that we have to have on the table uh, to things that we would just as soon throw in the trash. Is there anything on the Thanksgiving table that you're like you're not a big fan of? Uh, Sweet potatoes, yams, too starchy for me. Okay, okay. Well, I I gotta have. I have to have sweet potatoes, so you'll forgive me. Yeah. 
listen, I have to choose something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm a crescent bowl person. I'm not a biscuit person. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a big bread person for Thanksgiving either because there's just so much. Yeah. There's just so much. I mean, a lot of people say, well, you got to have something, you know, to kind of scooch it around with or sop up the gravy or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, but, you know, I'm already carving out and, and calorieing out and I got to I got to give something up. And so usually for Thanksgiving, it's bread. Yeah, okay. I can see that. I mean, I, I like my hors d'oeuvres. I like my... Uh... Uh, my dips and, and different things like that. So uh, Miss Miss know, Robin makes a nice um, uh, stuffed mushroom. Ooh. A nice stuffed mushroom with stuffed Ooh. with uh, Parmesan fresh sliced Parmesan cheese, and it it's you know and with a little drizzle of olive oil on it. And it's abs. It, it, you want to talk about something that melts when you eat it? That does. Well, this wasn't this wasn't Thanksgiving, but my sister in law made bacon wrapped dates once. Ooh, now that's the sweet and the salty thing going there. Yeah. Oh, I bet that's fantastic. Oh, it was great, especially with the prime rib that went with it. Oh, God. Wow. Okay. Party time. Party time. Yeah, there you go. All right. I suppose then we should talk a little football, even though. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Uh, maybe. Maybe not. But you know, we'll, we'll at least we'll we'll start this way. Uh, I love the uh, the piece that you got out on uh, full press coverage. Uh, I guess it was earlier today that it, that it got out, so forgive me if I don't know the exact time. But just, you know, worrying about, you know, some of the things that you had dug up for Week 12 going in, you know, the calendar this week. And, you know, it's a holiday weekend, we know. And it starts with, you know, three, you know, pretty decent games, I think, actually, uh, on, on Thanksgiving Day, which we're not always blessed with. And a lot of that is due to the fact that the Lions are just significantly better than what they've been in recent years. But this is also one of those rare weekends, especially this time of year, when every team, all 32 of them, are in action. Yeah, and, and 10 of the 16 games this week are in the division. Wow. Not okay. of them rematches. Mm-hmm. Uh, Detroit and Green Bay is a rematch, but this is the first time for Washington and Dallas. This is the first time for San Francisco and Seattle. Um, we, you know, we have two teams that were in the playoffs last year, uh, the Ravens and the Chargers uh, on Sunday night. Um, interconference, interesting, Buffalo and Philadelphia. Philadelphia, would to me, a major statement what they did uh, on Monday night at Kansas City, hanging in there and uh, coming back from 10 down. By the way, the Chiefs have not scored a point in the second half in three straight games. Wait, wait, what? Say that again? The Kansas City Chiefs have gone three straight games without scoring a point in the second half. What's the issue there? I don't know. When they played Philadelphia in the Super Bowl, they scored 24 points in the second half. Oh, good Lord. Yeah, that's right. I guess that just didn't – that hadn't dawned on me until you just said it. Well, they're, I mean, they've really struggled with adjustments. I mean, they've either – and listen, it, it, their point production from a year ago is way down. Now, their defensive production is also way up. Um, you know, they had that game against Denver where they gave up some running yards and they're kind of in the middle of the pack uh, against the run. They also, I think, run a little better. But, um, you know, the, the pass that Patrick Mahomes threw late in the game, you know, just – they were just off a second. I mean, it was, it was damn near the, the game-winning touchdown. But, mm-hmm. yep. listen, that, the Chiefs have already lost as many games as they did all the last year. They don't look nearly as explosive. That being said, um, you know, the only team in the NFC, AFC West with a winning record. Now, what's going to get interesting is – how this all jockeys out. Everybody in the division, uh, everybody who's leading the division, the AFC, John, has three losses. Uh, all, all of them have seven wins. They have Baltimore's eight wins because they've played one more game. I bring that up because 
There's one thing the Kansas City Chiefs have not done during the Patrick Mahomes era, mm-hmm. and that's play a road playoff game. Hmm. Okay. Certainly hadn't thought of that, yeah. Now, I'm not talking about neutral sites. Obviously, they've been to three Super Bowls. Those are neutral site games. And Patrick Mahomes has never started a playoff game on the road. Wow, that's amazing. And it's kind of weird when you think about it because when you make the playoffs uh, as many times as they have in a row, and Patrick Mahomes um, has been in the Chiefs have been the five straight AFC championship games, and they've hosted all of them. And listen, they've lost AFC championship games at home. They lost to the Patriots in overtime. Mm-hmm. They lost uh, to the Bengals a couple of years ago. Yep. So they're not controllable yep. at home. In fact, this year, yep. they've already lost two home games. Two yep. of their three losses right. are at home. Right. So, it, you know, listen, like, you know, Super Bowl hangovers, everybody, yeah, yeah. You, you, know, you know why it is so tough to repeat in nearly 20 years? And it's certainly not to be written off. Maybe they get hot later in the year and so on, but. It's been kind of a, a, a different kind of year for him. It's a different style of team that Andy Reid had. Right. Here's another thing that I that I liked that uh, you had in your piece today. Uh, that you know because uh, uh, and, and and thanks to the, the the win that they had over Kansas City this week. Speaking of the Chiefs, the Eagles uh, have won four in a row, uh, which is co-ownership of the longest current winning streak in the league. And the other team that's also won four in a row, you would never guess, Denver. Denver. That's stunning. Yeah. You don't think of that. But, but yeah, but, I mean, uh, I, I'll be honest. Uh, you know, I think um, Mr. Wilson has resurrected himself a little bit, thing, and that's largely the reason why Denver's won four in a row. Well, he, he has made the plays at the right times. He's cut back on the mistakes. Uh, the defense has played well. They're running ball with a little more emphasis. Um, you know, they the other night against Minnesota, they basically couldn't get into the end zone until mm-hmm. – Late, late, late in the game, they're finding ways to win, and they're also, you know, listen, they they beat Kansas City, they won at Buffalo, and on a short week they came home and beat Minnesota. Minnesota came into the game with a five-game winning streak, which was the longest in the league. So they've really resurrected themselves and so on. And um, what was interesting about Denver and Minnesota, and Minnesota is still there. Um, you know, coming, we've only seen, I believe it's six teams, John. Reach the playoffs after being 0 and 3. Now, Denver and Minnesota both opened 0 and 3 this year. It's not out of the realm of possibility both of them could be in the postseason. Which would then uh, provide a couple of positive numbers in an extraordinary statistic that is extraordinarily negative. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It, 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 but it almost epitomizes what the league is now you know you look at the you look at some of the houston was a last place team a year ago yep houston has doubled its win from a year ago and mm. and like denver was a last place team they're now sitting at five and five um you know somebody listen some of the other teams that have, have not answered the bill and so on um and have kind of stayed where they are uh, you know, but Cleveland was the last place team. They've already equaled their win total yep. from a year ago. Yep. So, um, as we saw last year, four teams that were last place teams in 2021 were all playoff teams in 2022. And two of them, the Giants and the Jaguars, actually won playoff games. Mm-hmm. So, the topsy-turvy nature of this league is very, very evident. And yet, we had a 20-year run by the Patriots, and right now, a hell of a run by the Chiefs. Yep. So, um, 
you know, there's always seems to be one exception to the rule. And you know what? And, and it's funny, even though they don't have the, the uh-huh. Super Bowl wins, two Super Bowl wins over the stretch, it's time to look at the Philadelphia Eagles on a little bit of a dominating run here as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with the exception of a couple of years ago when they missed the playoffs and fell flat on their face. Um, and they've done it with different head coaches as well. Right. You know, they were in the Super Bowl in 2017 when they won. They were in the Super Bowl last year. They right now have the best uh, record in the league. Um, the common denominator is not a coach or a quarterback. It's the general manager, Howie Rosen. Mm-hmm. Um. I also want to spend at least a, a moment here on Buffalo because the Bills uh, have already lost two more games than they did all of last season. I know that they are continuing to kind of hang in there with Miami. They're, what, a game and a half out of the lead of the AFC East. But this is not a team that appears to be anywhere close to what it was over the last couple of years. And I've heard so many people say, hey, their window of opportunity is gone. And I know a lot of Patriots fans may feel that way as well. And yet this week, the Bills get to step into a game with Philadelphia, which sounds hard. But then when you consider Buffalo is 3-0 and in interconference games this year, what are we to make of that? Well, they catch Philadelphia off a short week. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, this, this – the thing about the Bills that is so bizarre is they play this very loosey-goosey style of football, and sometimes it pays off for them in a huge win. Um, but more, you know, I can't say more times than not because they have a winning record. Mm-hmm. But um, these turnovers, more times, often have come back to bite them. They did in week one. Josh Allen had four turnovers. They lost the game in overtime. The Jets. Um, here, here's one that is amazing. Okay, talk about give and take. Last year, during the Bills were thirteen and three. Mm-hmm. They had twenty-seven takeaways and twenty-seven turnovers. Wow! This year, the Bills are six and five. Yeah, they have nineteen takeaways. Yeah, and nineteen turnovers. That's nuts. Okay, so in the last, let's see, it would be remember they only played sixteen games last year. Mm-hmm. Okay, so is that twenty-seven games they've played? Twenty-seven games. 46 turnovers, 46 takeaways. That's crazy. At least there's a little consistency there, but I would tell you for a championship-level team, uh, you need to do a little bit better in the uh, in, in the giveaway department. Well, you listen, it's one of my favorite stats of all time, and it was a different era of football. Uh-huh. Uh, we've had 57 Super Bowl champions. Yep. There's only been one to lead the league in turnovers and win the Super Bowl the same year. And those were the 1979 Pittsburgh Steelers. Wow. Okay. Now, wait till you hear this, John, because the irony of this is amazing. They eventually went on and beat the Rams in Super Bowl XIV. Yep. John, in 16 regular season games, they turned over the ball 52 times. 62 times in 16 games? 52 times. Oh, my gosh. 52. They had a nine-turnover game against the Bengals, an eight-turnover game against the Chargers. Now, do you want to hear how talented this team was? They turned over the ball 52 times and led the league in scoring. Man, was that defense ever on the field? Um, <laughs> they got off the field. That was the point, right? Well, yeah, I mean, it, 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 exactly. And back then, you know, in the late 70s, as you know, it was more Bradshaw in the offense yep. than it was Joe Green in, in the defense. defense. Yeah, yeah, you're the right. The defense was getting a little older. And the rules had changed. Okay, in 78, the rules changed dramatically. 
So, you know, Terry Bradshaw was never shy about throwing the ball into a crowd or deep or whatever. And, and But imagine that turned over the ball 52 times and still being the number one scoring team in the league. That's crazy. That means every time they had the ball, they were doing something constructive with it. Something something was going to happen, something exciting, be yeah. in their favor or not. Yeah, no fooling. Uh, so the uh, the three Turkey Day games, of the three, uh, you know, clearly, uh, you know, it's cool to see the Lions competitive and, and a chance mm-hmm. to win leading their division. You know, I'm, I'm used to Dallas-Washington, you know, Turkey Day games, you know, throughout, you know, my younger years because that was always a tradition on Thanksgiving as a kid growing up in the uh, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. But the one that has the most intrigue to me might be the nighttime game with the Niners playing at the Seahawks because uh, San Francisco's won nine straight times against the NFC West. Yes, um, and rolled most of them and beat Seattle three times last year, yeah. including the pool. Yeah. Um, and if, I, if memory serves me, um, just by starting quarterback, I believe Trey Lance started the first Seattle game and got hurt, and they was lost for the rest of the year. I think I might be wrong on this. I try to remember when Jimmy Garoppolo, or, or that was Brock. I don't know if Jimmy Garoppolo was, was the second starter. Brock Purdy might have started the, the other two, the playoff game, and then there was a prime time game and so on. I can't remember when Garoppolo got hurt. Off the top of my head, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, they really dominated the last time. The 49ers lost a game in the NFC West was actually the NFC Championship game to the Rams. Wow! In 2021. Wow. Okay. So it's been a while. Yeah, been a while. It sounds very patriot-like. Those long winning streaks. Yeah, that's exactly right. Within the division, Uh, we got a Black Friday game for the very first time, and it happens to be in the AFC East. Dolphins playing at the Jets. Any thoughts about that one? Well, I know Miami had a bad offensive day last week and only scored 20 points. I know the Jets have had a bad three weeks. They've scored 24 points in three games. And I believe one touchdown in those three games. Mm -hmm. And if you include, in fact, the Jets have been limited, John, to 13 points or less in their last four games. Mm Mm-hmm. And that being said, the Jets will probably win 50 to 49. <laughs> I'll take that but one. I will, I will, I'll, I'll bet the under. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a Friday game. It's um, goodness knows what the crowd's going to be yeah. like and yeah. so on. Yeah. Um, and Miami still winning. By the way, they haven't won a division title. They lead the division. They haven't won a division title already. 2008. Yeah, I knew that. That was the year they they tied the Patriots, and the and Patriots missed the playoffs. Right. In tiebreakers. That was the uh, Tom Brady knee injury year. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And um, it's, you know, Miami hasn't been super sharp as of late in terms of holding on to the football. I, believe, I want to say they had three turnovers last week and survived the Raiders. So... They're not, but they're not putting up the juggernaut offensive numbers, and they certainly have not run the ball well the last four games. Mm-hmm. So, listen, as strange as it may sound, the Jets are the only team this year to beat the Eagles. Yeah, that is nuts. So that's right. That's right. Got to keep that in mind. Yeah. Right. And now this is the huge game for Miami. You know, get another divisional win, and it would be a road divisional win, and so on. And they still have Buffalo. At Miami later right. in the year, they also have some tricky games ahead. I think they have Dallas yep. um, to play yet. Yep. So, um, I mean, this stretch run is going to be fascinating because if you really look at it, no one 
and I know it's only nine or ten games, but no one has really pulled away. Right. You know, San Francisco looked like it was going to dust the NFC West, and if they lose, they're, them and Seattle are going to have the same right. record. Same record. They'd be tied. So yeah. It's going to be. It, it's going to be interesting. Even, and I think that even though Detroit has a two-game lead, basically, keep in mind that the Lions and the Vikings don't play each other until Week 16. And week eighteen. Wow, almost back to back. Two of the last three yeah. weeks, and they well, knew. They... I, I will say this: week eighteen, if the division title is up for grabs, that'll be your Sunday night game. No question. Last game of the regular season. Yeah. All right, and so uh, the the Patriots at the Giants Sunday at one. Uh, it, you know, it's a war of attrition bowl more than anything else, rather than the Super uh-huh. Bowl, which is what it seems like these two teams have uh, played each other most often in over the last decade or so. Yeah, they've, they have combined to score 290 points, which is 15 points less than the Miami Dolphins to score this year. So, and that's and that's combined, so we're saying it's going to be like a 15-14 final on Sunday, right? No, no, no it'll be another 50-49 game like the other. <laughs> I'll take and the under. I'm not a big gambling guy at all and a point spread guy, but the New England is actually favored. Yeah. Coming into this game, I think a lot of that has to do with um, Tommy DeVito, the young quarterback, mm-hmm. who, by the way, had a big day against Washington last week, despite mm-hmm. being there. He was sacked nine times, John, and he was sacked five times in the first quarter. And still he won. He won for almost uh, 250 yards. Yeah, and still won. Maybe that says something about Washington's defense uh, more than anything else. So I think that's why maybe New England uh, is favored in this game. But not a lot of production from either one of these teams. Um, and New England, I think, definitely has a defensive uh, advantage. Um, but it will be interesting to see how this how this plays out. And listen, there may be more Super Bowl replays with touchdowns in them than actual touchdowns in this. Game. Yeah, I was just going to say, I bet on television you'll see more replays of touchdowns from games past than you will games present. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree I with that. Good. I would definitely agree with that. My friend, I wish you and yours a very, very happy holiday and happy Thanksgiving. And, and I know Maureen and I are very grateful that you take the time to visit with us every week. And I hope the fans are as well because you bring a world of NFL football knowledge to us. And uh, we like to share as much as we can. So thank you for that. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you, my friend. God bless you and your, and your family and everybody out there who takes the time to listen and so on. And I've used this line for 20-something years, so I'll use it again. If you're a gambling person, Take me and the turkey and bet the over. <laughs> bet the over. Yes, sir. Have a good one tomorrow, and uh, I'll talk to you again in the next week. You got it. Thank you, Russell. Russell S. Baxter. Um, I don't know if I ever really knew what the S stood for. I have to think about that for a second. He probably told me before. Scott, maybe? I don't remember. Stuffing? <laughs> Now, why didn't I think of that? That's too obvious, right? (laughs) Good one. Give yourself a drum riff on that one. Okay, all right. I think think that was worthy. That was definitely worthy, all right? You can find him on Twitter, of course, as you know, at Bax, B-A-X, Football Guru. Uh, ProFootballGuru.com is his own personal website, and he writes for full press coverage mostly and a lot of things on the fan-sided network of sites uh, that cover the National Football League, and uh, he's he's just remarkable sometimes. Uh, our thanks to Nicole Yang from the Boston Globe. Our thanks to uh, Matthew Sytek from Giants.com. Our thanks to you, 
as well for you know and Russell of course and thanks to you for taking some time here on Thanksgiving Eve uh, to uh, uh, spend a little time with us and if you're listening to this on the podcast well I appreciate you more than you possibly know Maureen Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family, and your kids especially, all right? I'm sure it'll be a great day. Save me a slice if you think about it, of that lasagna. <laughs> He's like, hell no. <laughs> I don't think I'll give it to you at PC on Friday. <laughs> yeah, you can. We got, a, we got a basketball game on Friday. That's right. I didn't even think about that. That's right. Okay, same patch time, same patch channel next week. Uh, we'll talk about it. We'll get through the weekend and see where we stand, and hopefully, maybe, well... We'll figure it all out somewhere. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Be blessed. Thank you for downloading this podcast. Subscribe on Apple, Google Play, and everywhere else you listen. Like the show? Please rate and review us. Listener comments and ratings help keep us high in the podcast rankings so new listeners can find us. Be sure to check Patriots.com for more news and more podcasts.